Good evening, and uh, tonight I'm going to be talking about the title, if you are taking notes, is By Grace Alone, Through Faith Alone. Hallelujah, I like that. So if you remember last week, for those of you that weren't here, Dill spoke about a scripture where we are working out what the Holy Spirit works in. Remember that? Work out what the Spirit works in. So we're working out and walking out our salvation with fear and trembling as the Holy Spirit comes into us and empowers us to do and obey what He's asked us to do. So this is building a little bit onto that, and I'm going to talk about these two foundations which are really key in our faith as a Christian, is faith and grace. And that'll really help us actually access and walk in everything that we can walk in or help us. Those are two of the sort of founding stones that actually help us walk out our faith. So we're going to put up a scripture. It's in Acts 13, 43. And um, this is kind of a little bit of the theme or something that I want to highlight um, through what I'm sharing. When the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. So in my translation, it says there, and I highlighted it, it says, the two men urged them to continue to rely on the grace of God. So I really want to encourage us to, this afternoon is to, re, to continue to rely on the grace of God. It's a really simple thing, but it's something that we can quickly forget. Um, but before we can learn about the grace of God and actually even rely on the grace of God, we need to make sure we're properly secured in our salvation. And um, hence, again, the scripture again, it says that we save by grace alone through faith alone. So these things of grace and faith work together in bringing us to salvation, bringing us to a knowledge of who Jesus is and securing us in the basis of knowing him, being saved by him. All right. So let's, have, let's unpack it a little bit. We're going to have a look at, um, at faith. What, what does through faith in Jesus alone mean? I mean, it sounds like quite a spiritual thing, right? Uh, but it's actually quite simple. So we're going to just quickly look at that. So today, Jesus has really good news. He's got incredibly good news for each one of us sitting here. In Acts 13, verse 32, a little bit earlier on, we're going to put that up in the, I think I'm just going to read it in my NLT here. It says here, and now we are here to bring you this good news. The promise was made to our ancestors, and God has now fulfilled it for us, their descendants, by raising Jesus. Sure. Eh? Do you know that Jesus has been raised from the dead, guys? He's no longer sitting on a cross on a piece of jewelry that we might be wearing. He's left that cross. You see that cross is empty. There's no Jesus there hanging on that piece of jewelry. And the reality is he isn't there. He's actually gone up to be with the Father. He's gone to heaven. And that's good news, right? It is incredibly good news. But do we actually believe it that he's alive personally to us, that he's working in our hearts, he's working in our lives? He's actually alive. And then, uh, so we're going to look at uh, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3 to 4. I know this sounds incredibly basic, but it's so, so important. For I, delivered, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. And it ends there. All right, so Christ died for our sins. It's of first importance. It's so important that it's the first thing, that he died for our sins. Guys, we have got a problem of sin, which we're going to talk about just now. 
And the only way to overcome that problem of sin is actually through Christ, because he's the only way that we can overcome sin. And I don't know about you, but I think you might have got saved. Some of you sitting here might be saved for a long time, but you actually, you still struggle with sin. I know I do. It's something that we all battle with. Okay. And what is sin? I mean, if you're not, if you're not a Christian, you might think, yes, sin, it's such a complicated word. It's three letters. But what does it actually mean? Hey? Huh? Sin is actually an offense against a religious or moral law instituted by God the Father in our case as Christians. We've all heard of the Ten Commandments. Everyone heard of the Ten Commandments that God gave to Moses? Even if you're not a Christian, you probably heard about that. He came down the mountain with the tablets, and, he get, and on those tablets was written, Thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not murder. Those are the Ten Commandments. Hey? We all know that. So, and the reality is all of us have actually, in some way, we have broken those commandments, and we continue to break those commandments. Um, so it's actually, if we are honest with ourselves, we're all sinners. We might be Christians, we might be sitting in church, but we're actually sinners saved by grace. Hey? Isn't that amazing? Just because you park a car in a garage, or you put a, something in a garage, doesn't make it a car. It's like if you come into church, it doesn't make you a Christian. So just because you walk in the door doesn't mean you're now a Christian and you're going to heaven, eh? Do you know that? Just checking. Okay, good. <laughs> I, had a, I had an interesting chat with my dad the other day, and he actually said he's, he said he's you know, he's booked his uh, place in heaven. And I said, well, dad, I don't know. I wish I could book my place in heaven. <laughs> I said, we'll have to talk some more when we see you in person, uh, what that means. So, but the reality is we are, we are sinners, and that's, that's okay, because we have a solution. We have a savior in Jesus, and that is the good news. He's come to take away our sin. All right, but we try and deal with sin in all sorts of ways in the world. I mean, when I wasn't, I didn't know, I did know God. I, get, I got to know God as a teenager, but it was this process of salvation. It was this thing of actually working it out. So I believed as a teenager, and I think probably my kids, I, I've got to kind of remember who I was as a teenager to kind of understand them a bit better, because I think sometimes I forget that I was also a teenager. Hey? I'm sure we all know that. But I, um, I really believed that, academic and sporting success was the way that I would get favor with man. I honestly did. I was at a boarding school, and I thought, you know what, if I did really well, if I came top of the class and I got my colors for sport, people are going to love me. I'm going to be the guy. I'm going to be accepted by man. And you know what? I did those things. I got colors for sports. I did well in my class, and I didn't really get, to be honest, I didn't really get favor with man. I did kind of, but the problem was I didn't get favor with God, and that was the problem. I, all those things that we do that seem so important to other people, for our careers or money, whatever these things are, they don't actually give us favor with God. And more importantly, they didn't actually set me free from sin. It wasn't an answer to the basic problem that I had, is that I've got sin in my life, and I've got a hole in my heart that only Jesus can fill. I can only be completed in Him. So, yeah, so in Acts... Um, Acts 13, verse 38. Let's have a quick look at that, and then we're going to move, move forward. So I forgot to put my timer on. Does anybody know when I started? <laughs> oh, my gosh. No, no, it's not that long. Okay, I'm going to start it now quickly. Okay, so I'll just... Have we in 10 minutes? No, not even. Five. Five, yeah. Okay, good. All right, so Acts 13, 38. <coughs> Therefore, my brothers, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. So that's it. Forgiveness of sins is 
proclaimed and obtained through Jesus. So we are guilty before the law convicts us of sin. We all know that we are sinners. We are, we've all broken the law in some kind of way. And the reality is that outside of Jesus, we face judgment and wrath of a holy God because he's holy and he can't have anything to do with us as unholy people. But that's the incredible, that's the good news of the cross and of Jesus is that he actually gives us, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. We realize that we're in need of a savior, that we need Jesus. Um, but it's his kindness, like we heard earlier on, I think uh, Laura shared that his kindness leads us to repentance and where we can then receive forgiveness for sin. And, and what is, um, and that kindness says, a kindness leads us to repentance. And Andrew did a great preach recently. I didn't actually hear it, but what is repentance? Has anybody got an idea of what that is? It's also another Christianese word. Okay, so it simply involves, it's a 180 degree turn. So if I'm walking towards sin and sinning in, in an area, okay, and if I realize there that I've done something wrong, I turn 180 degrees and I walk towards Jesus by recognizing what I've thought and, and I've, what I've thought of and what I've acted wrongly in the past is actually incorrect. And I determine now to think and act rightly by walking towards him and obeying his ways. So it's a renewing of our mind. We're walking towards sin. It's a change of mind and then a change of heart and a change of action. All right, we're walking towards him. Okay, so that's what repentance is. It's actually realizing that my life doesn't line up with the truth. It's actually I'm believing a lie, but I can, by encountering the word, by encountering the living God and by reading his word, I can renew my mind by the washing of the word and actually turn my back on it and start walking and moving towards the right way, towards the way that God shows us. So, yeah, amazing. So in my own life, this is an example, is that, um, and we're going we're gonna to share a little bit at the end about it as well, is that. I'm, I'm tempted to believe in my own strength a lot of the time or rely on my own strength. I don't know if any of you have that problem, but <clears throat> it seems like a constant problem that I've got to, especially when it comes to finances and towards provision. I've, it's, I know it's a weak area in my life. I know I don't receive a salary every, every month. I can't rely on that, but I, but I need to realize that if I look at my bank balance and it doesn't add up, I can't look at the bank balance. I've got to look at God. Because if I look at the bank balance and I think, you know, how is this actually going to work out? I start panicking. I don't know about you, but I just start like getting cold sweats and I'm like, oh Lord, like how this isn't adding up in my spreadsheet. You know, if this person pays me, I'm still going to be short at the end of the month. It just doesn't work out. But when I give into that fear, it doesn't lead, it doesn't give me peace in my heart. But what I've got to do in the moment is actually not look at the bank balance, but actually turn my turn 180 and walk towards God and look, keep my eyes fixed on him. Say, Lord, I need to put on a worship song. I need to realize that you are my provider. You are my solution. You are my everything. You're going to take care of it, God. And as I start doing that, I start feeling a peace coming in. I'm like, God, I've got faith again. I've seen you again. You're real in my situation. You're, you've come off that cross. You're alive. You're working in me. You're able to do this. Versus in my own strength, looking down at my bank balance, going, oh, woe is me. How am I going to do this? It doesn't make sense. I'm going to be stuck, Lord. The bank's going to come after me. You know, it's all these thoughts, but it's actually God, no. Like, that is what, that's what repentance is about. And it's actually, the more that we do it, the more it becomes a habit. And we actually ov overcome sin. We start walking in freedom. And it says the more grace abounds to us. So as we repent and actually run towards God, He actually gives us more grace. Do you know that? He gives us more grace. How awesome is that? So, do we honestly believe that He can make us pure? And righteous in our in his eyes 
that as we do these things, just because we make a mistake doesn't mean we're forever fraught and we these horrible people and we these terrible sinners that can never be forgiven. No, the reality is that as we turn to him, he makes us 100% pure again and free. So in Ephesians, um, Ephesians 1 verse 19 to 20, it's actually such an awesome scripture. We can throw it up there. I've also got an NIV. This is probably my favorite scripture, so I'm going to read this. Uh, it's so beautiful. It says, I pray, and this is what I really pray. I do pray this. As I say this, not just that I'm saying this, I'm actually praying this for all of us. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. So maybe maybe we've lost faith, faith in Jesus. Maybe we've lost faith that actually his resurrection power is available to me, Julian Goldswain or Margaret or Dave. We actually don't believe it. We're like, oh God, you know what? Maybe that resurrection power is available for a holy woman like Ronan. But me, <laughs> who spends days on end in prayer. <laughs> no, we, nobody's holy, it's fine. We're only holy because of the work that Jesus did. But honestly, we might, we, not, we might have lost faith. We might have lost belief in this God that actually gives us the resurrection power to overcome sin. Um, but the good news is he's able to give us faith. He's able to impart faith to us. And we're going to trust God even later on as we respond to this, that actually God can even give us the faith to believe him again. Um, he can help us. It says he helps us in our unbelief. And that even faith itself and belief in God is a gift from him. All right, so 1 Corinthians 15, we're going to just, um, I'm going to tell you some stories after this, <laughs> just now. But 1 Corinthians 15, verse 55 to 56, it says yet, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of the sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So that's, that's through faith in Jesus alone. That's what it gives us, actually the victory. And now we're going to touch a little bit on the grace of God, by grace alone. <clears throat> Sorry, let me just get some water quick. Yeah, it's thirsty work, eh? All right, so by grace alone. So grace is not, it's not earned by an, by an effort on our part. Otherwise, it would not be called grace. It's actually a free gift. And the amazing thing about it is, it is free, but it's extremely expensive. It came at the price of God's own son, Jesus Christ. He had to give us his son in order to access that grace. So if we thought our good works would earn our salvation, Sorry, guys, I've got bad news for you. It's not like that. God would then be obligated to pay us our due, but he's not obligated to do it. We can't earn our way to heaven. We cannot earn um, God's blessings. They're not given as an obligation. They actually flow from his goodness and love because he loved us so much. He sent his son to die on a cross that that would then give us um, the grace to be saved. So maybe, yeah, I just felt that some of us here that we might have actually camped in that place of we might know that we, we established, we saved, we rooted in God's love, but actually um, we, not, we might not be growing in the knowledge and grace of God. And we're going to have a look at 2, Peter's, 2 Peter 3 verse 18. You can throw it up there. It says, 
but grow in the grace and, and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So many of us, we might, some of us might here be going like, you know what, it's good to know, it's good to know about the grace of God. It's good to have head knowledge about that, but God also wants us to know Him, have an intimate relationship with Him and grow in the grace and knowledge of God. So we can walk this journey out, not just knowing about God, but actually experiencing His grace. And then, yeah, so just to remind you again, He urged them to continue to rely on the grace of God. So maybe Guys, some of us might be going, I know it's a default in a lot of us is to actually go, you know, God, I, I think that I can earn your salvation. I can, you know, it's, I'm sure I'm a good person. I, if I just do all the right things as a Christian, then you're going to love me and you're going to save me one day and I'm going to go to heaven. But the reality is we can't, there might be areas of life that we're actually struggling in, an area of sin that we actually can't break free of. And that's where the grace of God comes in, actually allows us to overcome. It gives us the power to overcome sin. All right, so, and then how, yeah, how do we rely on that grace of God? And I'm going to share a couple of stories of my, of my own life, then we're going to land it there. How do we actually rely on the grace of God? Um, yeah, so, so just to illustrate this point, I was, some of you might know I surf, okay? Surfing's um, quite an extreme sport, or it can be extreme. If you surf in Musenberg, it's normally not that extreme. It's, that's where beginners start. But if you think you're a bit of a better surfer, you want to tackle waves like you might go to J-Bay. And if you think you're pretty hardcore, then you go out in big J-Bay, like 6 foot, 8 foot, 10 foot, 12 foot. And it just gets more and more intense. And I thought one of my lifelong goals was I want to surf. I want to take off. I'd taken, no, I think I'd paddled out in about 8 to 10 foot J-Bay with Brad Verena like quite a few years ago when I was a lot younger, a lot fitter. And I thought, you know what? I didn't quite, it was blowing so much, I couldn't actually get onto the wave, and I didn't actually drop in and actually catch a wave down to the bottom, and actually, I didn't have the guts to do it, I just physically couldn't get it right. But a few years later, my boys were with me on that day, <clears throat> I thought, okay, everything's lining up now, I'm totally, I'm going to do this, I'm going to paddle out, I'm going to make it in 8 to 10 foot J-Bay, I'm actually going to drop in on a wave, and surf it to the bottom, and do a bottom turn, and I'm going to make it. My plan was, unfortunately, um, I actually had a, <laughs> I was staying with a friend, and he had this amazing, I actually bought the board up, he'd had a, it's called a big wave gun, it's a nice longer board, it's about seven foot six, and it just gives you that extra paddle power, when you're on a big wave, you need all the power and speed you can get to actually drop in on a wave, if you can catch a wave a little bit earlier, it just makes the drop in section, is basically when you drop in onto a big wave, you don't have to drop in very late, it means you can start getting onto the wave while it's a little bit more gentle like that. But the problem is that he decided to surf on the same day as I did. And this was the cooking day. He took off work, and I was like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out with him. But the problem is it was his board. So I didn't end up with a big wave gun. I had a 5 foot 10 fish, which I normally surf at Pup Musenberg, which is like very gentle waves. It's got, a, it's got two fins. It's very slidey. Uh, it's like the wrong board to take out in J-Bay when it's going eight foot. I mean, Dave's just shaking his head. It's like completely the wrong board. Okay, so, so I knew that I needed the grace of God on that day. Okay, so, um, so when I paddled out, I was like, God, help me. I'm going to, I have to catch this wave. And I actually did. I had the guts. I finally got the wave and it was about, I think, eight or ten foot. It was somewhere around there. But it was massive and it was scary. I mean, I literally was looking down the line. And these guys were just pulling in, and it was like proper barrels. I mean, the guys were just standing, and this wave was just like throwing over their head. And I thought, oh, my gosh, this is for real. This is like, 
this is happening here. So when I dropped in, needless to say, I didn't look nearly as cool as those guys. I dropped down the wave, I made it to the bottom, I did a small little bottom turn before my fins like completely kicked out because I only had two of them, not three like the other guys. I'd never thrust her and I wiped out and I got completely mauled on the inside. And those of you who know J-Bat about that, uh, that kind of conditions, it's literally like a, this stream, this waterfall. It's like a, I don't know what you call it, it's a massive rip on the inside. The water just, it literally takes you like a train just down the point. And there's just sharp rocks and it's, it's not fun to get out of that. Once you've taken a wave and you're on the inside, now to get back out is a serious problem. Like you could, I'm not exaggerating, you could get seriously injured or possibly die if you're on the inside. So I knew then that 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 I needed the grace of God, yeah. <laughs> and and big wave surfers, big wave surfers actually take a they actually take a tank. It's called spare air. They actually strap. If you look at you might see YouTube videos at Jaws and that, but they I mean it's not as intense as that, but it, it was pretty intense for me. But they put a padding on them and it's full of oxygen and they when they go underwater, they actually if they get held under too long when they're trying to duck dive under the wave or get dumped by a wave, they can actually suck oxygen and not die and drown. Okay, so unfortunately I didn't have spare air, but I, I did know that before I duck dive to get back out, I needed to take a massive breath of air. So I was like, breathe, and I somehow, I don't know, it was God's, I still don't know to this day, I managed to get out to the back line, and then I was just like, okay, I'm done, I've caught one wave, I'm going to get out of here, I'm not going to try to be a hero, I've made it down one, and I'm, that's amazing. But the point of the story is that when you're underneath that wave, or you getting held under, you quickly realize that oxygen, if you don't have enough of it, you can't survive. Okay, so, and if we, as Christians, if we think that we can survive in our own strength, if we think we can put our own oxygen tanks on, and we think we can walk around, come to, you know, if there's no air in the oxygen, we realize quickly that we've got a problem. I don't know if you guys have realized that, but we generally take air for granted. But as soon as it disappears, and some of you might be in situations like me when you're underwater, you realize, flip, I need that oxygen. And if I don't get it, I'm going to die. And it's the same with His grace. Like if we're not breathing that grace in as Christians, we actually can't do what God's called us to do. And it's very expensive and it's very cumbersome to carry an oxygen tank around and keep going to the dive shop and ask them to fill it up. I mean, it'd be really weird if we had to all walk around with scuba tanks and breathe our own oxygen, right? But... Um, but that's the incredible thing about His grace, is that we can actually rely on it. And yeah, just, just, even, um, just even my own story as a Christian, um, yeah, I mean, I, like, I know God's grace for myself. I mean, I, many of you guys, I'm going I'm to finish off on this, on this uh, story here, is that, um, yeah, I mean, I, was, I lived for my own selfish ambitions. I, I thought I could do it on my own, and um, it didn't work out the way that I wanted it to work. I mean, I was a I actually, I pretty much lost everything. Um, I backed, I got, did get saved, as I said, as a 13-year-old, but I actually got uh, drug-induced schizophrenia. I actually uh, did things that I shouldn't have done, ended up getting locked away in a psychiatric uh, ward, and um, yeah, it was a complete mess. And I realized then in my darkest hour, I was in Falkenberg for about a year, well, no, not a year, just under a year, but I realized I needed the grace of God again. And guys, that's the thing, like, you know what, that might have been like in 1994, but the, re the reality is today, what I'm walking in and what you guys are living in, we still need that grace of God. We still need His power and we need that oxygen to actually live, to overcome sin. So I really just want to encourage you guys that actually the more we grow in God, in fact, we might think we're actually doing better, but the reality is it's, 
we're not doing better in many ways. Compared to Jesus, we fall far short. And, but the incredible thing is that we do have a Savior. We do have this oxygen tank that comes to us. We do have His grace that we can then tap into and actually breathe in and go, God, you know what? I can actually surrender to you again. Like Jeff was saying, we can actually surrender to God and say, God, I need your grace again. I need, I need that opportunity to rely on you.